Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, March 9th. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Francis of Rome. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning on this Thursday in the second week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. During this Eucharistic revival that our bishops have called for, Try to visit the Blessed Sacrament today sometime, if you can, or make an extra visit uh, this week again if you get a chance. Uh, It's a wonderful thing to do, especially uh, during this season of Lent. Want to bring in our morning air team as we uh, start to every show, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines here on this Thursday morning? Big Russian missile attack overnight on Ukraine. Seven different regions were targeted. Five dead in Lviv in far western Ukraine, which has generally been a little safer. The Zaporizhia nuclear power plant completely disconnected from the power grid once again with power knocked out to parts of that area. Uh, Ukrainian folks say about 18 of those missiles got through. People dead in uh, in Kiev as well. Residential structures were hit as well as uh, civilian power infrastructure. And uh, this is a an attack that used different kinds of missiles. The Ukrainian Air Force says something they hadn't quite seen before. And that's the uh, the latest there. In the wake of that, Ukraine's prime minister, uh, Ukrainian prime minister rather, calls for, for more weapons from the West and more sanctions against Russia. And uh, we uh, continue to pray for peace uh, in Ukraine, uh, continue to unite our prayers uh, to those of so many people all around the world, including the Holy Father, and uh, and hope uh, that uh, the consecration that he made uh, last spring uh, will eventually uh, take hold, Glenn. Yeah, uh, you know, we don't talk about this every day in the news, but it's been going on every day since well over a year with, uh, you know, many killed and wounded and, and Russia continuing to, to press press the war. Now, Glenn, I know you're a big uh, baseball fan, a Twins fan, and, uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, Major League Baseball spring training uh, being underway, but uh, the World Baseball Classic is also underway. It's kind of like a World Cup of baseball, and uh, Japan and Shohei uh, Otani beat uh, China. They shut out China 3 nothing in Tokyo yesterday, so this tournament is underway. There's games going on in many different cities, uh, including in, in China, Tokyo. Tokyo, Phoenix, and Miami. Uh, the U.S. team uh, takes on Great Britain. They don't play until this coming Saturday uh, down in Phoenix. They are the defending champs. The U.S. team is, uh, and this time around, led by uh, former Cub uh, Mark DeRosa. He's the the manager of uh, Team USA, and it's uh, really a ridiculous team. It's like an all-star team of uh uh, who's who in uh, in Major League Baseball, led uh, by uh, uh, the great Angels uh, star Mike Trout and uh, and many other uh, very uh, familiar big names. We've had the name World Series with us for well over a hundred years, and uh, this really is a World Series here in the uh, you know the tournament uh, populated with so many Major League Baseball players because it's such an international game anymore, John. <laughs> 
It really is an international game, and uh, you know when when you you know you you think of baseball, you don't think of Italy, and yet you know former uh, Major League All Star and Hall of Famer Mike Piazza is the the manager of Italy, and there's a number of American Italian players playing on that team, for example, and you know there's teams from the Netherlands and Australia and places that you typically wouldn't think about, but uh, all the traditional powers uh, are in in the tournament: the Dominican Republic, Cuba, Puerto Rico. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on, on that um, uh, World Baseball Classic. Uh, meanwhile, uh, today is a National Barbie Day. Uh, Sarah, uh, is this something that, uh, that uh, you uh, know a little bit about? Well, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you know, today is National Barbie Day. And, you know, we often think this is something that's been around in our culture for so long that it's just a, a namesake. We just know it right off the top of our head. And yet this is has not been around that long. Barbie first arrived in uh, 1959. So for many, many years, there was no such thing as Barbie. Um, and actually uh, it was inspired because there was a lot of baby dolls and paper dolls, uh, inspired by uh, the wife of one of the co-founders of uh, Mattel Toys. They, you know, the wife was out and about and she said, you know what, we really need to have a toy like this. And she really pushed her husband. So, hey, right, following on the heels of International Women's Day, making a big splash in uh, toy <laughs> history, a very, a very strong-willed wife saying, hey, you got to do better for girls. And so they came out with the first Barbie doll, nicknamed after their, they, nick, they named the Barbie, originally Barbara Millicent. Goodness, think that she just went by Barbie for short because I can't see too many girls uh, playing with a little, well, maybe Millie, little Millie, but uh, Millicent's kind of a rough middle name. I'm not sure why toys needed a middle name, but you know what? Very Christian, I guess, to try to get that in there. And uh, Glenn, I'm sure you remember, you know, know, boys, if they felt uh, left out, we had G.I. Joe back in the day that uh, was about the same size as uh, Barbie and Ken. And when I was a little kid, I loved my G.I. Joes. I had G.I. Joes of every brand, uh, Navy, Army, Marines. I even had German G.I. Joe, Russian G.I. Joe. You name it, I had it. You know, oh, G.I. Joes were great. I mean, you know, you had your Hot Wheels and Matchbox cars, but G.I. Joes were just awesome. You mentioned the, the German one, and, um, you know, we're playing during the, the tail end of the Vietnam War, and actually they kind of tried to shift the focus a little bit to, from, uh, uh, you know, G.I. Joe, the soldier, to G.I. Joe and the adventure team. So I ended up getting things like the, the White Tiger, and it came with a tent and a plastic campfire, which was a huge hit with my girls when they were little for their Barbies, because G.I. Joes survived somehow, maybe minus a foot or or an arm or something like that and so their barbies got to date uh, quadriplegic vietnam veteran (laughs) gi joe it seemed like but uh uh, also that some of the gi joe vehicles you could uh, fit a few barbies in there and so we had uh, we had like a crossover episode of uh, gi joe and uh and barbie when the kids were little but mom wouldn't allow any any weapons around them uh which was uh, was just fine but yeah great fun with all of those i had a talking gi joe and uh, this, so I'm reminded that every time that uh, Cyrus plays a little clip of Patrick Madrid saying, sounding like it's a, it's the a doll string. You pull, but the, the string, it always gets stuck. So then I'd have to do surgery on G.I. Joe and I'd have to unscrew his chest and take out the, the string thing and get it wound properly again. And so I was doing surgery on, on G.I. Joe. And the, the last story I do have to add is back in the day when track two razors were brand new. They had the bright idea to send out free samples of these things in the mail. So here I was, like an eight-year-old kid, getting the mail that day and somehow getting into the mail that day and opening up the razor. Now, I didn't cut myself or anything. That was good. I didn't try shaving, but my G.I. Joe, which at the time came with 
lifelike hair and beard. Uh-oh. You remember that fuzz on those? You know where this is going. I I shaved my GI Joe, so I had the only GI Joe on the block with not a you know lifelike hair and beard, but he had lifelike hair. Long sideburns and a mustache and a very, very square chin. But they took a little too <laughs> hilarious. much. Hilarious. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Wow. Oh, great, great memories. Well, G.I. Joe can step aside. Today is National Barbie Day. So uh, I'm sure that uh, many will enjoy uh, this day dedicated to Barbie. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Hey, sure thing, John. First things first, we always start every morning, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings uh, through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can always find us on Twitter and Facebook, at Morning Air Show is our handle. And uh, you can send us an email directly, morningair at relevantradio.com, if you have any thoughts or story ideas you want to run by us. Again, our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888 Now, this morning we're going to continue uh, with our uh, relatively new University of Mary uh, Prime Matters series where we discuss topics that can lead us to think and ponder deeply on issues of faith, culture, and our own spiritual life. Today we're going to discuss the synthetic impulse in Catholic life. We're now joined live uh, by Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air and Relevant Radio. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. Good morning, Monsignor Shea. Thanks uh, so much for joining us uh, this morning. It's great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. It's always good to be with you and all of our listeners, too. Thank you. Well, we have an interesting topic here this morning, uh, the synthetic impulse, and people are probably wondering, what in the world is that? Can you, first of all, explain to us uh, what is uh, synthesis uh, in uh, this uh, context? Absolutely. And so I'm grateful to be able to talk about this Prime Matters series, because Prime Matters, of course, is this website that the University of Mary has where we poured all of these sort of deep and beautiful resources about the Catholic faith. And this is actually, it comes from a wonderful lecture which Bishop Flores of the Diocese of Brownsville, Texas, he came to campus very courageously. Brownsville is about as far south as you can get, John, in the United States. And he came to campus in February to North Dakota uh, to give this lecture. And so it was an actual Uh, It was an incident of great courage. But he made a distinction here which seems deep and philosophical, which is actually, however, very useful to us in our lives of faith, between two ways of knowing. We can know by analysis and we can know by synthesis. So analysis and synthesis are two ways that we can go about studying things. And analysis refers to the breaking 
to breaking a thing down and attempting to understand it through its parts. It's a, it's a question of sort of sorting through the different parts of something and dissecting it. But synthesis means considering what a thing is in itself and how it relates to other things. So for instance, if you want to know about a frog, you can know about it in two different ways. You can kill it, dissect it, and jab at its artificially preserved parts. You can sort of sift through uh, a, a frog and dissect it, or you can sit back and you can watch it jump and swim. You can watch it relate to other frogs. And so to really understand what frogs are, a scientist needs to do both, needs to observe a frog in sort of a living natural environment, and then and analyze as well its different parts. But it's important this distinction, which seems sort of highly arcane and academic, is really important in academia, but also in the church, because many of us are taught that analysis, breaking things down into their parts, is the highest way of, of understanding a thing. And that actually is is very partial and it gets us so that we're we're robbed of all the wonder and the joy of knowing and moving through the world if we become highly analytical in our lives and in our faith we're unable to see how things relate to each other and our world becomes very narrow and our faith becomes less of an adventure and a romance and more about rules and regulations does that make sense? I, I think I get it. I think I sort of get it. And, um, you know, when, when you think about it uh, in terms of our Catholic faith, uh, we've been observing. We've been observing human behavior. We've been observing human nature now uh, for 2,000 years. So we're talking about 2,000 years of uh, Scripture and tradition and the teachings of Holy Mother Church. So uh, we have a lot of uh, synthesis uh, to, uh, to rely on. Um, can you uh, put it into context in terms of our faith and uh, this uh, impulse, this uh, synthetic impulse uh, that uh, Bishop Flores is talking about? Yeah, so w when you talk about the observance, so let's move like you want to do, John, because that's a, it's a good impulse, it's a good instinct to move from frogs to human beings. And so we have for thousands of years, philosophers, theologians, and the normal regular people have been observing how human beings move through the world. And, and morality is based, yes, upon the word of God, upon God's revelation, but it's also based upon natural law. And we, we observe human relations and how things go well and how things go poorly and all of those things. We live in a time which is so highly analytical that we've lost the overall picture. That's why you have so many crazy things that are happening in our political life and in our moral life, because we've overanalyzed or we've broken things down and we, we, we say, well, a human being is just sort of a collection of swirling atoms. Well, we might be a collection of swirling atoms, but we also have an immortal soul. We also have uh, uh, emotions and a mind and a will and all of these different types of things have to be taken into account. And so Bishop Flores says, and I'll never forget it because I was at that lecture, he says that if we want to understand this, John, we have to talk to children and poets and farmers. 
children and poets and farmers before we talk to theologians or philosophers. Because children and poets, when they look at the world, they see it with wonder and, and they derive a kind of sense of meaning and depth and adventure because they're able to perceive the world and begin to kind of put it together instead of bust it apart or break it apart and dissect it. And then farmers, and I grew up on a farm, farmers have a deep sense of the relatedness of all things in nature and the importance of the passage of seasons and times, that winter is different from summer, is different from harvest season in the fall. And so we can learn a lot if we begin to see the world not sort of as detached, in a detached analytical scientific manner, but also if we integrate the kind of wonder that God invites us to in the midst of our faith, taking on the mindset of children and poets and farmers. I'm uh, reminded of uh, St. Therese, the, the little flower, uh, who had her little way. And in many ways, uh, you know, the Lord speaks uh, to children. And this is why we sh should be, you know, childlike in our faith and in, in our trust in God. And uh, there's a lot that we can learn from uh, these little children, as well as farmers and poets. Well, it's the case that, so you've got a great Catholic impulse yourself, John, because you go right to the lives of the saints. The saints teach us this. So yes, take St. Therese of Lisieux and her sort of relationality to God the Father as a little child, her little way. And of course, for that, she's declared a doctor of the church by St. John Paul II. I was present at World Youth Day in Paris when he made the announcement that he was declaring Therese a doctor of the church. How cool but is that? I it mean, would be really a great oh, moment. It was tremendous. I was a college student, and, and it kind of took the world by storm. She was the third female doctor, of course, after uh, St. Catherine of Siena and St. Teresa of Avila. But I think of the other saints. Think about St. Francis of Assisi, for instance. Probably the best-loved saint of all time, John. And here's a person who... Uh, who had a good education. He was raised in the sort of uh, nobility or the, the rising middle class of the medieval age. And so he had, he had a sufficient education, but he took it deeper because he came to an appreciation of all the wonder and the awe of God's majesty in the natural world. If you look at the lives of the saints, you see how childlike they really are, how they're able to see the world in this fresh new way. Here's the challenge for us. Our lives come at us so fast, and, it, and, and sometimes we feel like in order to survive, we need to compartmentalize things. We need to break them apart so at least we can manage our work life over here and our home life and our family life over here and our spiritual life over here in this other place. And so, in an analytical way, we make lists for ourselves, whether on paper or just in our minds, and we say, okay, here's how I'm going to manage, here's how I'm going to do it. And God's inviting us instead to bring all of that before Him so that He can help us through prayer and through the wisdom that He gives us in the lives of the saints, the teachings of the church, and in, in, in our relationship with Him to bring it all together into a synthetic, integrated experience of our lives so that our friendships and our family and our work and our prayer all come together to make a whole human being. And that's a promise that the Catholic faith makes to us, that we can live like that. 
Monsignor Shea, I can't help but think, I, I wonder what uh, St. Francis uh, would have said uh, of our modern-day practice uh, of uh, observing and dissecting frogs <laughs> in so many classrooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, d I don't know what he would say uh, about that particular practice, but I think he would say that if you want to know a frog, you have to get to know it. Sure, especially because he had such a, a love for the animals that we know of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts, Monsignor. You know, you brought up uh, the uh, uh, the term natural law, which uh, I think in so many ways, you know, especially in our secular culture, people forget that this is real. There really is a natural law that exists outside of religion, outside of the faith. Whether or not you believe in God, it's still in play, just like the law of gravity is, affects everybody. Right, and, and, it, and it reminds us how we need to see things all in relation, how we're all part of a greater whole. What can happen when our world becomes small is that we can attach some desire that we have or some priority that we have in our life or some aspect of us as our central identity. And, and that then uh, causes us to move through the world in a very constrained way in which we're unable to see the vast vision out in front of us which God is trying to awaken us to. Every human life, and we have to keep this in mind, John, every moment of our lives, God is trying to wake us up. Every day that we're alive, if we have eyes to see, if we're looking around, the Lord is trying to say, hey, I'm present, I'm here, I'm for you, I'm helping you, I'm saving you, I'm redeeming you. And this season of Lent is a particular time for us as Catholics, through our practices of penance and prayer and almsgiving, to set aside all of the clutter, all the things that are superfluous in our lives, and to focus upon the simple fact that we're known and loved by God, we're sinners who need to repent, but whom he wishes to save because he wants to spend eternity with us. Monsignor, as always, uh, really appreciate it. Thanks so much uh, for uh, joining us uh, this morning. Uh, real quick, if anybody uh, wants to dive in more uh, into uh, this talk by uh, Bishop Flores, uh, just go to primematters.com. Uh, the story's called The Synthetic Impulse in Catholic Life. Again, thanks so much, Monsignor. Oh, it's a joy to be with you. God bless you, John, and have a great day. Thank you so much. Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary and a regular contributor to Morning Air. To learn much more about the University of Mary, visit cometomary.life. We need to take a short break. When we come back, award-winning composer, producer, and director Aaron Berghaus will join us to discuss a new documentary on the way of St. James, Santiago, the Camino Within. Stay with us as Morning Air continues on this Thursday here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in and being with us on this Thursday in the second week of Lent. Can you believe uh, it is just flying by? I'm so glad that you could join us here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. As we do every morning, our power scripture from the Playbook of Life is from Luke 6:36. Jesus the Lord says, 
Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Pope St. John Paul II, in his encyclical, Divis in Misericordia, Rich in Mercy, wrote, Jesus Christ taught that man not only receives and experiences the mercy of God, but he is also called to practice mercy towards others. Divine mercy is God's greatest attribute. His mercy endures forever and is like an ocean of mercy. As the Lord told St. Faustina, the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to my mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we always pray with great confidence that prayer that Drew Mariani prays every afternoon, the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. I want to switch gears and talk about uh, the Camino de Santiago. Uh, It's a well-traveled pilgrimage route that goes all the way back to the medieval times. In fact, a legend recalls that the remains of the Christian apostle St. James the Great were mysteriously discovered at the Cathedral of Santiago de Compostela in Spain. Uh, after having thought to be lost. For centuries, pilgrims have traveled the 500-mile route, also known as the Way of St. James, for spiritual reasons. Listen to part of the trailer from a new film, Santiago, the Camino Within, narrated by uh, Bishop Donald Hine. St. James speaks to us of the power of witness. Seeds planted by the apostles have taken root. It's one of the few places that we can actually truly immerse ourselves in history. It's about deeper intentions, thinking about our families and what about life is. Great experience is all meant to be. And that was just a part of uh, the trailer uh, to this new uh, beautiful film. Uh, it's uh, The music is beautiful. The trailer was very inspiring. And joining us live is producer and director of Santiago, The Camino Within, international award-winning composer and producer Aaron Berghaus for much more on uh, this inspiring film. With more than 80 film productions in the past decade, Aaron Berghaus has uh, made a remarkable impact on the music and faith-based film industry. She's the founder and president of, uh, of uh, Ahava Productions, an avant-garde 501c3 nonprofit that creates films with the sole purpose of reaffirming the death and beauty of the Catholic faith. Good morning, Aaron. Uh, welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for joining us. It has been uh, an eternity since the last time we spoke. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, just a little heartbeat in between the last one, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think we go all the way back to the early days of Morning Air, the last time I spoke to you, if I, if my memory serves correct. We're about to celebrate 20 years coming up on April 21st of since the launch of Morning Air. Can you believe it? That is so wonderful. Congratulations. I mean, an apostolate that changes lives every day. Uh, so congratulations. That is no minor feat. That is a mountain climb. So congratulations on that. And yeah, it's been a few decades for us 
for sure. Well, Aaron, uh, congratulations uh, to you <laughs> and uh, your many accomplishments. Obviously, this new movie, uh, which is coming up uh, on March 28th. Uh, it, the trailer looks fantastic, and I'm sure the story will be very beautifully uh, told. Can you tell us about your, your new uh, movie, Santiago, The Camino Within? Yeah, it's, it's a, such a great blessing, really, to be involved in the project. Um, as many of your listeners know, Bishop Donald Hine uh, from Wisconsin, currently uh, the bishop in Madison, Wisconsin, he is the narrator of the film. And really, he's so holy, John. He's able to take the viewer by the hand and walk them along the journey, the Camino, and really it becomes and encompasses the pilgrim's life, our life, each one of us at a different place. Um, at a different moment in time. And, you know, it's really a divine gift that Bishop Don has to be able to reach people where they're at. And being involved in the film and the production of film is is one of the greatest blessings of my life. Um, We wrapped it during COVID. um, And so it's been a few years in the making. And the people that we met along the way, the beautiful people in Spain, to walk in the footsteps of St. James, who I really didn't know too much about the Camino at all um, when the Holy Spirit hijacked me. Um, but one of the greatest blessings of my lifetime, and I'll be forever changed. And we just really hope that that we can take viewers there to the Camino and um, bring them to that walk of St. James, which is so much surrounded by the love of Our Lady as well. Well, it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very special place, and you're extremely blessed uh, to have His Excellency uh, Bishop Donald Hine, who, by the way, is a regular contributor to Morning Air. He's, he's with us uh, on a regular basis, so we, we love having Bishop Hine on. In fact, he actually talked about this uh, a while back uh, when uh, the idea was still in progress and you guys were working on it. Uh, and I can't help but think, um, how challenging was it to film uh, really during the pandemic? Well, we filmed before the pandemic, but we wrapped post-productions, which I know you're familiar with because you've been involved in film yourself. Um, you know, we've wrapped post-productions during, um, during COVID. And so that in itself was so unique. And, and as you know, you know, God just keeps on pursuing us, doesn't he? He never stops. Um, and so it's only by his grace that everything is made possible. It just has so little to do with us. I mean, we really just surrender and work as hard as we can to serve him. And so he provided everything during the most difficult times of, I would say, of my life, you know, um, with the COVID and all production shut down. And what ended up happening in that perspective was that it became, like our faith, a very universal project. And so many of the um, many of the musicians are from all over the world. We have developed brothers and sisters serving Christ in Ukraine, in Poland, in Italy. I mean, it was just as only God can do, right? Is only Who could have ever foreseen how he just laid that out really on the path for us? Um, and even the journey to, to Spain itself, it was all it was all so, it was grace. It was God. It was all him. We just, you know, work as hard as we can to keep up with the plan that he has for us to serve him. Aaron, I'm curious, what was the, the genesis of the idea? Did somebody uh, bring it to you? How did you decide to, to make uh, a film uh, on the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James? 
Well, I'm definitely going to say it wasn't my idea. Um, so <laughs> what was happening was we were in the middle of uh, a, a 72 film series. It was 36 English, 36 Spanish, all correlating with the catechism of the Catholic Church. And so we were really smack dab in the middle of that, releasing two films a week. I was living in Detroit at the time. My husband had a position there. And um, I was actually just having conversations with God about how I wondered if that was maybe the last film project that he wanted me to serve him in. That was my, that was my conversation. He's like, and, no way, Aaron, no way. <laughs> well, you know, what? I, I never know what tomorrow brings. And I'm very honest with John. I'm a farmer. I'm so happy to dig in the ground. I'm a mother. I love my babies. I have grandchildren. Um, so all of those things are equal to me. All that really matters is what does God want me to do on any given day. So I'm totally open to whatever that might be. And really, it was a serious conversation. Um, and then what happened is I received an email that um, Bishop was going on the Camino pilgrimage, and it was it was seriously... I, it was seriously a, a Holy Spirit hijack moment. It was so drastic. There was just, it was, there was no denying that it was from God. And it all really came together within about a, a week to 10 days on the funding and the development and the idea. It was, it was not my idea. <laughs> For our listeners that may not realize uh, the deep uh, historical uh, perspective uh, that exists on uh, the Apostle St. James and, and the reason why so many people uh, come uh, to this holy uh, place to, to walk those 500 miles. Can you share real briefly just a little historical context? Well, I think that Bishop John is excellent at that. And I think that one of the most profound things, and I know that you're going to have a break here, so I'm going to try and, and just... Uh, pitch it out before the break. The most amazing thing uh, that, that I learned initially when I was trying to research, because I really, all that I knew about the Camino myself personally was that people really enjoyed it. I had no idea on the depths of the history that it was the footsteps of St. James and that he was evangelizing in Spain to tell people about the love of God, about Jesus. And, and here, here we are in this modern day really called to do the same thing. And so I didn't know much about St. James, but um, Our Lady appeared to him in Zaragoza. And in the history of the world, it was the first apparition of Our Lady. And she said to him, don't give up, James. Keep on keeping on. And that, that really, that had a profound impact on me um, before we even started, you know, putting together the entire pre-production. And it was Our Lady who would wake me up in the night. And it was, it, it's her that I think gives us um takes our hand and gives us the inspiration to keep on keeping on, to be whoever it is that God made us to be every single day. What a what a great reminder! Our blessed Mother, who always points us uh, to her Son, who is the way, the truth, and the, the life. I want to invite our listeners. If you have any thoughts on the way of Saint James, if you've actually ever been on a pilgrimage and actually walked uh, the five hundred plus miles of El Camino de Santiago in Spain, we'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for award-winning composer, producer, and director Aaron Berghaus of the new documentary, uh, The Way of Saint James, Santiago. 
with a Camino within, um, you can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Uh, for you early birds, if you want to chime in. We're going to take a short time out as uh, we continue our discussion with Aaron Berghaus. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. That inspiring music that you're listening to is from the Spanish version of the trailer of this new documentary that we've been talking about here this morning, The Way of St. James, Santiago, The Camino Within. And we're, we've been blessed to be able to talk to uh, Aaron Berghaus, the producer, director, and composer of this new film. Again, if you want to be part of the conversation, if you've ever had the blessing of actually uh, walking El Camino de Santiago, we would love to hear from you, 888 if you have any questions about how to see this film uh, coming up soon. Uh, also, uh, give us a call and uh, stay tuned. Uh, Aaron, welcome back. Thank you, John. We're just so grateful that you're having us on. Well, it's a joy. And, uh, you know, I, I I am so inspired. In fact, I got to tell you, full disclosure, my wife has already started talking about the, the possibility of us at some point. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, when, when my relevant radio days are, are, are totally over, because in order to do this, it takes it takes a, a, quite a commitment and time. Uh, but to actually do uh, the uh, the journey and do the 500 miles uh, in uh, in Spain <laughs> the, of the yeah, Camino. Yeah. So so we're actually talking about wonderful. it. We've actually that'll talked be, about it. Yeah, that would be so amazing. Your life will be changed, John, and and I'm going to be the cheerleader, your your cheerleader for your wife because your life really will be changed. It's hard to we noticed not too long after we were on the ground that there was just absolutely no way to convey the immense holiness and the beauty of the journey of the Camino in written word. We couldn't just, you know, write about it. In fact, even as a songwriter, I thought, oh, how, Lord, how how could we even in a simple song convey this immense beauty and holiness? And and it was really only our only hope of trying to convey the 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 immense beauty is by all the art that God gives us. You know, the, the best cinematography that we could put together, um, the original music, the holiness of a very holy priest and the grace of God, to just get a glimpse of the beauty that once you're there, um, it will change your life. I would encourage you to take that break and get there um, and be able to go and experience that because it will it will deepen your relationship with God. It will clarify his call for your life. Um, I'm going to be your cheerleader here. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate that. I'm sure my wife, who never misses a show, is listening as well. So the seed has been firmly planted. Uh, real quick, um, I love um, music and, and the power of music. And obviously the music in, in your film, uh, El, uh, An El Camino, is, is, is so powerful. Uh, tell us about uh, you know, writing, composing this music, uh, the, how, you, how the inspiration came to you uh, to develop develop uh, the soundtrack. Well, thank you for that. Those kind words. Music really is the core of my soul. And so, as you know, because we've known each other for, for a few decades, um, really God began um, for me as a songwriter. And so uh, every film really in the center of every film that we have ever had 
music is is the bed it's the foundation it's the core um it's such an um, amazing art that god has given us um to transcend the mind and speak to the heart through through music and then in regards to santiago i mean it, it was again it was just a great blessing to get to a place you know from deep prayer months and months of deep prayer to to get to know St. James, um, to love him. And then I think that by God's grace, that, that flows, you know, from your soul as an artist. And then as only God can do then to meet other artists across the world um, during COVID um, who participated as composers and amazing, just amazing, beautiful uh, musicians. It was just a, a gift really for all of us. Well, Aaron, um, Mike is joining us this morning from uh, Naperville, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Uh, Mike, uh, good morning. Welcome to Morning Air. Uh, you're on with uh, Aaron Berghaus. Uh, good morning. Yeah, I actually made the Camino in May with one of your contributors, Father Burke Masters, and so many aspects of what she's saying is just so true. Uh, we had Mass every day along the mountainside. People from five countries joined us. People from different religions joined us. It's just, uh, it's an amazing uh, place. The, the vistas changed every day. We had, uh, uh, and I call it a 500-mile safe space because so many women may make that trek alone, and it's completely safe for the whole 500 miles. It's really the it's really a very amazing spiritual journey. And to make it with Father Burke made it even exponentially more special. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. I'm just curious, how long did it take you to train and to get your body ready to, to go the distance? Well, for all those that are maybe hesitant, uh, I, I, uh, I made it with a couple of my college roommates along with Father Burke, and I, I did 200 miles. Father Burke did the 500. But I have a fake ankle and four surgeries on my other knee, so... If I can make it, anybody can make it. Oh, my goodness. How inspiring. God bless you. Thank you so much, uh, Mike. Aaron, uh, this is awesome. Yeah, that is. Congratulations, Mike. I mean, that is just to overcome the challenges of our physical weakness, to get to a place spiritually that we can that we can really, it's hard to describe really the, the alignment between the physical exertion, the exhaustion, and how that propels you spiritually. You know, to remove ourselves from all of the noise that we have in our life, it's everywhere. Um, and to be able to do that physical along with the spiritual, I do believe it's really, it's like the fuel that sets you into that duke and altum, into that spiral into the depths of your soul, because our soul is just yearning, just wanting to hear God, wanting to, to hear the saints. And the saints are just waiting for us, you know, to ask them to help us. Um, so it's so great to meet a Camino clubber, although I do feel I was a little bit of a, um, a pretender because, you know, we had vans and cameras. <laughs> um, but I dream, like your wife, John, I dream of taking my husband and my children and my grandchildren because if I could do anything in my life, I would just love to be able to bring them on the Camino for them. Um, one thing that I wanted to to just also touch on is, like Mike said, all of the different people from all over the world, different countries, and how it is that God calls them to be there, and how then once we arrive, how we unite. Um, it's just it's a phenomenal, very holy pilgrimage. 
Well, Aaron, I know that uh, that you have um, a, a big event, uh, just one night only uh, in theaters uh, of the showing of uh, of this powerful uh, film, uh, Santiago the Camino Within. It, it's coming up on uh, March twenty uh, eighth. That's a Tuesday. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about the event and uh, how uh, people can uh, can get tickets? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I mean, it's a miracle. We're a small nonprofit in Wisconsin, and um, by God's grace, we hit the big screen. So we'll be in 869 theaters across the United States, but we need your help. In order to have faith-based films in our theaters, we have to be able to have people who come to watch them. So Fathom Events have picked up the film to distribute it to the theaters all over the United States, a number of theaters in the state of Wisconsin. But we are hoping that you can partner with us and that you can come to watch the Camino, that you can enter into the journey yourself, and that we can work together to support faith-based films in the theaters across the United States. And I love the fact that you have it in both English and Spanish, especially when you consider that 40% of the American Catholic Church is Latino. So you're reaching a potential big audience across those 869 theaters. Thank you so much. It, it, was a, it meant a lot to us. I mean, Santiago from Spain to have it in Spanish um, and, and for us to be able to do that was, again, only through God's grace. Well, there's no question uh, about it that that, that uh, people will be really moved uh, and inspired by by this film. Uh, real quick, where can they go uh, again for much more information? Yeah, so you'll notice it on on Fathom Events, uh, which so all of the uh, AMC uh, theaters in the state. Um, if this is outside of Wisconsin, in your own state, you can come to ahavaproductions.com. It's A-H-A-V as in Victor A, ahavaproductions.com. That'll take you right to where you can purchase tickets. You can come with your family. You can bring your parish. You can bring a friend. Um, but we are so grateful for any support so that we can link hearts together to evangelize and serve God. We'll have to leave it right there. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Aaron Berghaus, uh, producer and director of Santiago the Camino Within. Thanks again. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn's Story Corner. Our story today called My Friend Frankie by Joseph Mazzella. When I was a boy, my first friend wasn't another little boy or girl, but a bent, worn, 80-year-old man. It was the early 1970s. Now, we lived four miles from town. My two brothers were much older than I was, and the TV only got one channel, clearly. I spent most of my time then playing outside alone in the yard or in the woods near our home. It was only a matter of time before my exploring led me to Little Frankie's house. Everyone called him Little Frankie because he was short and bent from a lifetime of hard work. Our only other neighbor at the time was a much bigger man, also named Frank. Little Frankie's house was a slowly crumbling structure that was over 100 years old. He lived in the only three rooms of it that were still safe. Although he had money from a lifetime of working and saving, he preferred to live there. His house had no electricity or running water. He cooked his meals and heated his house with an old cast iron stove. He got his water from a mountain spring that ran next to his house, and he still worked every day, weeding, gardening, cooking, cleaning. For some reason, though, we became fast friends. A first-generation Italian immigrant, Frankie didn't speak English very well, but I understood him enough. 
He'd fry potatoes in a cast iron skillet on his stove and share them with me. Then he'd talk and show me old photos from years and years gone by. He became my godfather and best friend in those earliest years of my life. There was a peacefulness and serenity about him that seemed out of place then and even more out of place now. He worked hard, worried little, gave freely, smiled easily, laughed gently, and loved kindly. I'm still working today at living as beautifully as he did back then. Our friendship, though, was short-lived because he died when I was still a little boy. It was my first experience with death, and I mourned little Frankie after he was gone. Yet a part of him still lives on here in my heart and mind. I'm a better person because of the brief time we spent together. I'm kinder, more loving, and closer to God because of our friendship. My friend Frankie showed me how to live simply, happily, and well. And I thank God for letting him touch my life. I think we all, too, have those special teachers in how to live and love who touch our lives briefly but stay in our hearts forever. May we always love them, cherish them, and embrace what they teach. From Philippians 4.7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. Coming up next hour here on Morning Air, author, husband, and father, Alan Miglorado, will be with us to talk about Catholic teens. And Father Kabicki will share some tips on making a good confession. Stay with us. There's much more to come.